Wow, deer hunting must be good this year. We're going to talk a little bit about that on the Carolina Outdoors. Of course, our listenership goes up a bit. It's outdoor drive time if you're listening to us live via the airwaves of WBT Radio early on a Saturday morning. Other people are joining in via podcast highlights of the Carolina Outdoors with Wes Lawson and Bill Barty. And Wes, we've been talking about this since uh, the weather was warm in South Carolina, uh, us being the Carolina Outdoors. South Carolina, probably in the nation, has the longest deer season that there is. Uh, And, of course, North Carolina right there, we're well into it. Uh, that way. It was in the news in October because Tiga K, uh, down in York County, mm-hmm. uh, r- right outside Fort Mill there, uh, has a bunch of deer, a deer problem. And many Carolina towns uh, are speaking to that, but it made it to the city council in Tiga K back in October, and they're uh, kind of weighing the options of how to control the population of deer, whether it's to bring in expert marksmen to kill and harvest deer. Uh, the second option, very expensive, over $1,200 per deer, sterilization. And the third option is uh, unpopular as well, uh, relocation. Those are the three options to help control that. And we can get into that on a on another Carolina Outdoors. But TJ, the DJ Boggs over on the other side, Wes Lawson and I, we have talked in other shows about mm-hmm. the number of deer that we and people are seeing out there. Think back to uh, maybe the Operation Desert Storm time period. Remember how everybody's car or SUV had those little deer whistles in the front? Yes. You know, it didn't do anything. (laughs) I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time. You know, the deer population has been on the rise, at least in the East Coast, for decades. Um, And in some cases, the whitetail population in the Midwest and West is pushing out other species like like mule deer. and a big part of this, I think, is we are expanding our habitat range also. And we're also including things that these deer like. All of my neighbors have beautiful gardens and beautiful plants that those deer want to eat. And then all those hardwood trees, the deer that walk through my backyard are feasting on acorns right now and and pumpkins and everything else. So it makes sense, but uh, I don't see any city council really dealing with it. I don't think they have the the wherewithal or the interest to be the, honest the good news is maybe not in tiga k city limits but it is deer season and again uh, so many people are heading out there to their tree stand to yep. wherever yep. they are and of course we talked uh, earlier as he was preparing for a western trip i believe it was an elk trip um back in late august getting ready for the early september hunts David Gaskins, and he's going to join us to let us know what's happening out there here in the Piedmont for the Carolina hunters out there, what they can expect. Again, just like we spoke in another segment with David Bergman um, uh, on the fly fishing and the fishing trips, it's been dry and now Mm -hmm. it's wet. Same with deer. It's been hot and dry and now we're having some rain. What does that mean to these animals? What does it mean for us hunters? David Gaskins, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Good to talk to y'all again. How are y'all today? Hey, we're doing fantastic. And Wes has got his phone over there sizzling, and and we're going to find out. He knows some stuff. David, you know some stuff, and I'm referring to the Western trip. When last we spoke to you, 
it was a uh, late August, front end of September. You were getting ready to head out, um, and we want to get a little bit of an update on that. That's with the Seven uh, J Outfitters, who you work with, and you had some clients out there. How was it? It was good. Uh, a little bit, a little bit slower than normal. Had a hot, had a pretty good moisture in the spring then it turned off dry but they had a little run of ehd which is uh, a disease that kind of runs through them in the in the dry climate out there and they've lost some but you know we may do had some good hunts and and got some animals harvested but just a little bit tougher than normal but it was still a good time and now so this is the northeast corner of wyoming right top top right corner up there kind of in the Black Hills, the High Plains, the location of so many classic spaghetti westerns and things mm. right up there, um, High Plains, Drifter, among others. But you were principally archery guiding, correct? That's correct. So walk us through what a score of 131 and 5 eighths is for a typical <laughs> whitetail. What? Second, uh, second place in so. Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, last year. We last did year. Real good last year. Um, you know, uh, it's a it's a it's a task to kill a Pope and Young whitetail with archery equipment of, of any kind. And, you know, 100, 125 inches is the minimum. Uh, anything over will make the book, and uh, 131 inches will get you second place. And second and third place both come from 7J Outfitters, so not a, not a bad gig there up in the, the top right corner of Wyoming. But the whitetail population there, is it sort of like it is here in the Carolinas where it's beginning to sort of take over and push other species? Of course, we don't have mule deer here in the Carolinas, but um, what's it like out there between those two species? You know, the the mule deer kind of live more out on the plains, you know. It's uh, those black hills are mostly ponderosa pines and oak draws, and the whitetails just seem to do better in there. The mule deer will go in, but they like it open, you know, like the antelope do. So uh, they kind of stay out more in the open, in those open plains areas, rather than get in those black hills with the whitetails in that particular area. Now, do they have the eyesight of antelope where they can really see at such great distance? Uh, not quite. Antelope, I think, has eight power vision, just normal i don't think a mule deer and a whitetail quite have that good no, vision that's crazy so so from out there to back here it seems like the deer population has been on the rise uh, and i know that there is state data all over the place to support that but how does that change um hunting strategy when we have you know not just the deer population on the rise but so are predators so are humans and everything else how does it, how does deer hunting change now uh, it just it seemed like, you know, when I was a kid, we used to have a big place in Chester. It was 1,100 acres. You know, when you're a kid, you think that, golly, you're never going to walk across the whole thing in a day's time. But, you know, now that the, it's got a little more populated, you're lucky to find, you know, 100 acres to hunt on around unless you're on some timber land that the paper company owns or something the power company owns. It's just, it is getting tougher and tougher to find big tracks to hunt on. And then with, with whitetail this time of year, um, how does the temperature and the rain affect their movement, or does it? Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, the, they don't want to move. When they get that winter coat, they don't want to move much. If it, you know, it was 80 degrees Saturday, and they don't want to. They'll get hot just like me and you do, you know, if we got a coat on in the winter. But, um, 
they still move around pretty good. The, this time of year, especially with the rut going on, we're in that kind of that phase now where you don't see a whole lot of deer because uh, the, the bucks are with does and you got the pin oaks dropping, you know, so they kind of leave what they've been doing and kind of change a little bit till about till about after Thanksgiving and then they start coming back around and you see them a little bit more after a lot of the does get bred. And it seems like, you know, for at least my observation in my area where I feel like I can name all the deer and identify them about, so it's early November now, about four weeks ago, the bucks began to sort of separate a little bit uh, with the older ones sort of challenging the young ones and vice versa. And now they really are uh, on their own or walking through a field at great distance from one another with the younger bucks trying to figure out where the older guys are going and then the the doe are coming in from other directions like their yeah their signals aren't quite crossing properly it would seem or someone's yeah. trying to avoid somebody <laughs> yeah they you know and just to just to give you a range uh we do run some cameras here and we got a picture of a, of a nice buck here on the home place right here in the backyard uh, never had seen him before, and then a buddy of mine two miles away, two days later, sends me a picture that he got of a deer, and it's the same deer. So, you know, they travel a lot this time of year. They stay with a doe three days, I think it is, and then they move right to the next one. You know, they don't they don't play around this time of year. They just from doe to doe to doe to doe till it's finally over. Hey, besides using those cameras, do you uh, do you look for scrape marks? Is that something? Uh, um, that matters when you're scouting and looking out there and and seeing what yeah. the deer are doing. Being an edge animal, most of the scrapes you, that I mess around and end up hunting over are around the edge, you know, of a field or something. They seem to love to to scrape on the edge. And they scrape in the woods too, but you just seem like you're right around the edge is where they usually scrape and rub and. Uh, but like I say, it's this time of year, man. They can be anywhere. They'll they'll go two miles, you know, overnight if they got a hot doe with them. I you know I don't think I I mean it makes sense. I don't think I knew that. Um, and it's also because of where I see the deer in the middle of Charlotte, so they probably don't have to travel too far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't always have the right of way. Um, but so you know we're at that point now where where we are getting that sort of temperamental weather where it can be cool and seasonal one week. And then, like you said, 80 degrees the next. Mm, yes. That makes it a real challenge, uh, I think, as an outdoors person, as a hunter, to know what's going on because the animals are also a little bit thrown off. But after yeah. a a big storm like we're going to have, how does that change animal movement, or does it? Uh, you know, they'll they'll hunker down while the storm's coming through. They don't they don't per se go anywhere. They don't go far. They just you know get in the cover and they just hunker down. And then the seems like the minute it quits raining if you'll go that afternoon or if it quits raining during the night and if you're there that morning they'll be right back out you know they don't they just kind of hunker down tight you won't see them during the storm much but you'll see them right after they don't know to go to the convenience store and get milk and eggs and a scratch-off ticket they just kind of they kind of they kind of keep it close to home they might going to get a pack of cigarettes kind of kind of hunker down i got it there's a place here uh, up the road where I have alfalfa field that I, if it's stormy, I can go to and I can run 10 or 12 out of it every time I walk in there. It's a big, a, kind of a thick place with a lot of pine cover. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. So um, alfalfa, it seems like 
to me, again, and maybe I have you know bad observation skills, that deer go after certain foods at different times of the year. And I used to always see them go after clover after frost, but that could have just been bad observation. Are they going at food seasonally, or is it because that's just what's available at that time? Uh, you know, seasonal food, yeah. Um, the alfalfa, I don't know what it is, but they they will flock to it. They, they'll they stay in it. There's acorns around all over. They'll eat the acorns, but they're going to end up in that alfalfa field. I've seen time and time again, you know, from June 1st all the way to the, you know, 1st of January, uh, as long as it's a little bit green, they'll, they just flock to it same deer every time every night you know it's, the rut will change them a little bit they won't come as much you know you'll you'll get some scattered deer but all the does in the area will be at the alfalfa at one time a day well you may be sharing something with us right there that is important for for us hunters that are heading out there that may be something uh, uh, to look for is an alfalfa field or a yeah, food you- source because that's where they're going to be uh eating and 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 i guess look for those scrape marks as well and what boy what a technological uh, benefit we have with uh, trail cameras out there um uh, food plots all of those sorts of things that are that are out there to, to help us be where the deer are oh yeah deer hunts come a long way in just the past 10 years you know with all these trail cameras and cell phone cameras it's come a long way uh, David Gaston's real quick. I'm putting you on the spot with this one, though. But uh, is it easier here locally? We'll, we'll just say uh, the Piedmont area of the Carolinas, York County, where you are, uh, Cabarrus County. Uh, is it easier here than it is up in the northeastern part of Wyoming? Oh man, I don't know that it's that it's easier, but. I guess the the biggest difference would be out there, you can just see so much further, mm-hmm. you know, so you can find one easier and, and get to it as we're here, you know, they're, they're a little bit harder to see. Um, I don't, I don't, the hunting is just as tough either place. It's just kind of two separate strategies, you know, it's more of a kind of a waiting game here and just more try to find them and go get them out there. Nobody really hunts a bean field out there, do they? <laughs> no, it's all it's all alfalfa fields out there. Alfalfas and you know wood hardwood lots and pine trees. But al- everybody out there, I'm not gonna say everybody. A lot of people have alfalfa, and that's if you can find a good, fresh, lush alfalfa field, you can find the whitetails. Well, with with farms and ranches the size that they have, everybody should have a cover crop with some silage like that out there. If they don't, they uh, they must be new or they're, they're on a, a state-sponsored program of some sort, because that is, uh, you know, where you're hunting, you're in a county that is, what, about uh, 12 times the size of Mecklenburg County? I mean, it's just enormous. Yeah, it's a big old county for sure. Well, the secret, it sounds like, is in the sauce. That's time in the woods. That's really the trick to a successful hunt is putting your time in. David Gaskins, you help shortcut uh, provide a shortcut for many of us by what you shared with us uh, uh, about hunting here locally. So uh, maybe we don't get as much time in the woods because but, Davis, David gave us uh, the, the top tips. One, one, one more thing that when I first started, a guy used to tell us all the time. He said, boys, you can't kill them if you ain't there. And if they ain't where you're looking, they're somewhere else. <laughs> That's all very true. <laughs> 
<laughs> you might be summing up a bunch of outdoor sports with that one right there. Uh, yeah. Should have been here last week. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> David, we want to see the big deer that you're getting out there. Tell us your Instagram so we can uh, lock in with 7J Outfitters or David Gaskins. It's uh, at First Day Dave. There it is, at First Day Dave, David Gaskins. Thank you so much for jumping in here with us on the Carolina Outdoors. Good good to talk to both of you again. Hope we do it again sometime. Let's do it. Off he goes. That's David Gaskins. Off we go. But just for a moment, we're going to come back and wrap up this edition of the Carolina Outdoors. <laughs> 